This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. I will be your host this week. My name is Dustin Smith. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We have episode 293 for you this week, entitled, The Methayan, Jesus' Use of I Am He. So we're in the midst of this ongoing series that is examining the crucially important self-declaration, I Am He. And we're interested in understanding the way that this self-declaration was used throughout Judaism, that is, within the text of the Old Testament and the text of Rabbinic Judaism, as well as the way in which the self-declaration was used in the New Testament text. Now, after examining all of the Old Testament occurrences of this self-declaration, I am he, which in Hebrew is Anihu, and after looking at several of the occurrences within the Jewish rabbinic text, we noted a very consistent pattern. We saw that when Yahweh, the God of Israel, said, I am he, he was pointing to his oneness of person and to his unrivaled position as the only true God. It's important to remember that the Hebrew phrase Anihu indicates that the speaker is only one person because it's using two singular pronouns. Whoever is saying, I am he, cannot be more than one person. However, we also noted that when human beings would say, I am he, using the very same phrase in either Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, these human figures were making a casual self-declaration, a casual self-reference. And in doing so, they were indicating to whomever they were talking to that I am the person in context. It is me. I am the guy you're talking about. In other words, when human beings said, I am he, they were not saying that I am Yahweh, nor were they ever accused of claiming the self-declaration of Yahweh. Now, last week we examined every occurrence of the phrase, I am he, spoken by Jesus, within the gospel according to Mark. And we noted in that episode that Jesus also was making a casual self-declaration, either by saying, it is me, or by affirming the question, are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, I am he. Now, this week's episode is going to examine the gospel according to Matthew. Now, the gospel of Matthew portrays Jesus saying, I am he, and in Greek, this phrase is ego me, two times. And also, we're going to note that the disciples of Jesus each say the Greek phrase ego me after a negative particle. So the question I am raising this week is, does the Matthaean Jesus teach readers that he is Yahweh, the only true God, by 
declaring the phrase, I am he. Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at God and Jesus according to the Gospel of Matthew. Now, it's important to look and see how these Gospels portray God and Jesus because, as we've seen in the ways in which various persons would use the phrase, I am he, when it was spoken of by God, it meant something very particular. It meant that I am one person, and I am the only true God, and I'm unrivaled in that divine position. However, when it was spoken of by people who were not God, human beings, it would indicate a casual self-declaration. I am he. I am the guy that you're talking about. I am the person that's clearly being referred to in the context of the conversation in context. So it's important before we look at the phrases on the lips of Jesus and on the lips of Jesus' disciples to first discern the ways in which God and Jesus are described in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, of course, we can't look at every verse, but I thought I would give a half dozen passages that really make this point quite clear. So the opening verse of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 1, says that it is a record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. So the very first thing that we see in regard to Jesus as we begin reading the Gospel of Matthew is that he is a biological lineal descendant of David and also a biological lineal descendant of Abraham. This makes Jesus a human being, a man, a member of the human race. And that is something that cannot be said about the God of Israel. Now, at the baptism of Jesus, just like we saw with Mark, we can see the definitive, declarative voice from heaven indicating not only who Jesus is, but also who the speaker is. So in Matthew 3, starting in verse 16, the author says, After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's Matthew 3, verses 16 through 17. So the voice from heaven says that Jesus is my beloved Son. And that, of course, would make the speaker God. Because if Jesus is the Son of the speaker, that means the speaker must be God. And God, of course, is the Father. Sons, of course, are sons of fathers. So the Father is the speaker, and the Son is Jesus. And that, of course, distinguishes them quite clearly. Now, after Jesus was baptized, he was ushered out into the wilderness in order to be tempted. And in one of the particular temptations, Jesus offers a very interesting response that tells us a little bit more about Jesus' relationship to God. So in Matthew 4, starting in verse 3, the tempter came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man 
shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. So the temptation is, are you really the Son of God, as the Father definitively declared in the previous chapter at the baptism? And Jesus responds by not only quoting Scripture to prove his response, but he quotes a particular scripture that indicates that he himself is a human being. The scripture says, man shall not live on bread alone, indicating that the response is that Jesus himself is a man, a human being, a member of the human race, which was never in question because Jesus is the biological descendant of Abraham and David and several other figures in that family tree. And also, the quotation indicates that the human beings are supposed to obey and observe every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And this, of course, is not Jesus saying that I'm going to obey the words that come out of my own mouth. It's self-evident that Jesus is talking about obeying the words out of someone other than himself, namely the mouth of God, the one who is in heaven, who is referred to as the Father. So, this, of course, means that Jesus is the Son of God, which, by definition, is someone who is distinct from God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus offers a variety of Beatitudes, but in Matthew 5, verse 8, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, verse 8. I want you to think about what Jesus is saying here. He is saying, for those who are pure in heart, they will, in the future, see God. Now, if Jesus himself was God, he would not be making this promise about something in the future because they're looking at him right now. He's giving the sermon and they're listening and looking right at him. There can't be a promise of seeing God in the future as a reward for living a life of purity and heart if, in fact, they are already looking at God in the present. That would be Quite strange. Now, in chapter 9, we have a interesting story about Jesus offering forgiveness, and in doing so, we can see that not only does Jesus regard himself as someone who has been authorized and empowered by God, but also the people, the observers, also come to this conclusion. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, it says, They brought to him, they brought to Jesus, a paralytic lying on a bed. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said to themselves, This fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he got up and went home. But when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. So, the question is raised, who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus responds by saying, not that he is God, but that he is the Son of Man 
who possesses authority on earth to forgive sins, meaning that he is someone distinct from God, and God has shared this authority with Jesus, who describes himself as the Son of Man, as this authorized human figure. And not only does Jesus declare this, but it's also the conclusion that the crowds arrive at. They glorify God, who had shared his authority with human beings, namely with Jesus. So that's very interesting. It seems to distinguish the two, but it indicates that Jesus is a highly qualified and highly empowered human figure. Now we have the climactic declaration of Peter, the climactic confession of Peter that was also in Mark's gospel. In Matthew 16, verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is something we already knew from the baptism, is something that we've seen in a variety of other passages, but we have two figures. We have the living God and Jesus being the son of the living God. And of course, son of God is a title for the Israelite messianic king, which is why it is paralleled with Jesus bearing the title the Christ, which is the one who is anointed as the king. So to be the Christ means you are someone who is distinguished from the one who actually does the anointing. God anointed Jesus at the baptism, so Jesus is the anointed one. God is the one who anoints. Jesus is the Son. The living God is the Father. And of course, at the death of Jesus on the cross, the last words are Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which Matthew tells us means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's in Matthew 27, verse 46. So Jesus says that God is someone other than himself, and this God is the God of Jesus. And not only does Jesus declare this, but he says it in an authoritative fashion by quoting from Psalm 22. So it's quite clear that the Gospel of Matthew is determined to regularly distinguish God and Jesus. Therefore, when we see Jesus making the self-declaration, I am he, which in Greek is ego me, we would naturally expect the common, normal, everyday usage of other human beings who have said for Jesus and after Jesus, making the claim that I am he in a casual way of saying, I am the guy, I am the person you're talking about in context, it is me, I am the one. But these human beings were never thought of or even accused of claiming that they were saying the self-declaration that Yahweh himself said and meant. But we have to look at each example in order to draw our conclusions. So this will move us to our second point. Point number two, Matthew's use of the self-declaration, I am he. Basically, we have four relevant passages in the Gospel of Matthew. The first one involves Jesus walking on the water, just like we saw in Mark's version, but Matthew's version has drawn on the Gospel of Mark and has added some extra information. So in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 25, it says, It was the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately 
Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, I am he, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You have little faith. Why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's Son. That's Matthew 14, verses 25 through 33. So we have an extended version of the story that was already there in Mark. And Matthew takes the story and he continues to depict Jesus making the reference, I am he. And the disciples don't seem to think that Jesus is claiming to be Yahweh. In fact, after the story concludes, they respond by confessing that Jesus is God's son the Son of God, not that Jesus is God himself. Remember, to be Son of God means you are distinguished from the only true God. So it seems that Jesus making this claim is, again, a casual self-decoration, namely Jesus saying, it's me, it's the person you all know. I'm the rabbi and teacher and your master that you've known for the previous 10 chapters of Matthew. Now, at the Olivet Discourse, we have the second time that Jesus makes the statement, egoimi, but he does so in a way that talks about others that are going to make the statement in Jesus' name. This also has a parallel in Mark. So, in Matthew's version, in Matthew 24, I'm going to start in verse 3. It says that he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, and will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will mislead many. That's Matthew 24, verses 3 through 5. So here we have the phrase, I am the Christ. Now it's egoimi, but it also has the predicate there, which is described as the Christ. So it's not just I am he, it's actually defining who the I am actually is. But what's interesting here is that Matthew is drawing upon Mark's account, because in Mark's account, the earlier account, in Mark chapter 13, verse 6, Jesus says, many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. What's interesting here is that Matthew has taken Mark and he has clarified what that term actually means. So the earlier gospel, the gospel of Mark, has Jesus saying, I am he. And Matthew, when he clarifies it, he clarifies the predicate after the phrase, I am, as I am the Christ, which was the conclusion that we came to last week when we were looking at Mark's gospel. So the point is, when these false prophets, these false persons that are coming and misleading others, 
and speaking in Jesus' name, when they are saying, I am, or I am he, what they're actually saying, or at least lying about, is saying, I am the Christ. And Matthew makes sure to clarify that point in Mark. And in doing so, Matthew says the same thing that Mark does, just by clarifying the words that Mark already had. The point, though, is that when these people are coming in Jesus' name and lying and misleading people, when they're saying, egoimi, they're not making a claim to be Yahweh. That's not what those words meant. So those are the only two times that Jesus actually says the phrase in a way that would point to him in some manner that would actually give some sort of idea as to who he is, or at least when these people are trying to pretend to be Jesus, who they think that they might be. But it's interesting that the disciples of Jesus also say the phrase, egoimi. And it's difficult to see this unless you can look at it in the Greek because it's not consistently translated in the English translations. So in Matthew 26, starting in verse 20, we have an interesting back and forth between Jesus and the disciples. So Matthew 26, verse 20 says, Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. That's Matthew 26, verses 20 through 22. So while the English says, Surely not I, Lord, what it actually says in the Greek is, Egoimi, but that phrase is preceded by the negative particle. They're saying, not it is I, or it is not me, O Lord, with the vocative of the word Lord. So what's interesting here is that Jesus is saying, someone is going to betray me, and the disciples will say, egoimi, with the negative particle, indicating I am not the person. It's not me, is it? I'm not the person you're talking about in context. Is it Jesus? So the rules are the same in the sense that egoimi, spoken by a human being, would be a casual self-declaration that is understood in the context of somebody referring to a particular person. But the disciples here are saying, I'm not that person. I am not the guy. It is not me. I am not he. And the passage actually goes on, next verse, verse 23, Jesus answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. That's Matthew 26, verses 23 through 25. And Judas here makes the same claim. Now, in English, it says, surely it is not I. But in Greek, we have egoimi, I am he, that has the negative particle. Surely, I am not he, Rabbi. So the point here is that Jesus is saying, Judas is the one that's going to betray me, and Judas is saying, I'm not that person. I'm not the one that's going to betray you. Is it me? And Jesus says, you have said it yourself. So each of the disciples 
including Judas, were able to say the casual self-declaration, I am he, in a way to say that they are not the person that's being described in the context. But the person who is, of course, going to betray Jesus is not Yahweh. It's not the God of Israel. It's not the only true God. It's the person that's just casually being talked about in their conversation. So in conclusion, we have observed that the Gospel of Matthew regularly distinguishes God and Jesus. For Matthew, God is the Father alone, and Jesus is the Son, the Son of God, the one whom the Father has anointed to be the Messiah. We also noted that Jesus told the disciples as he was walking on the water that, I am he. And the disciples regarded this as a claim to be the person that they had expected him to be. And they referred to him specifically as the Son of God. Meaning that Jesus' self-declaration was casual, but it was pointing to himself as the Messiah. And lastly, when Jesus tells the disciples that one of them is about to betray him, they use the self-declaration, I am he, with negation, indicating the casual nature of the phrase when it's spoken of by someone other than the God of Israel. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Join us next week as we continue to explore the phrase, I am he, on the lips of Jesus. We'll be looking at the Gospel of Luke. Please look forward to our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths of the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. If you're listening on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe there as well. You can support us for free by giving us an honest review online and by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a financial donation, please check out the episode's description for a PayPal link. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.